Shavua Tov, everybody. Welcome to Parashat Sav. The year was early 1994, and Andre Agassi's tennis career was veering dangerously off track. All his life, Agassi had been assured he would go down in history as one of the greats of his sport of tennis. When he turned pro at age 16 in 1986, pundits lauded him for his natural talent, impressed by his uncanny ability to take control of points his gift for hitting seemingly impossible shots on defense. But by 1994, it wasn't a stellar record on the court that had won Agassi fame, no. It was his style of ripped jeans, long hair, and tie-dye shirts. But when it came to success on the tennis court, Agassi was falling laughably short of expectations. He kept losing to players with far less skill slipping from number 7 in the rankings to 22nd and then to 31st. His coach of 10 years very unceremoniously dropped him, and he only found out from reading a magazine. Andre Agassi, bottom line, needed a change. Agassi found a new coach, tennis pro Brad Gilbert, who totally transformed Agassi's approach on the tennis court with one simple piece of advice. Instead of trying to hit a winner on every shot, Agassi should turn his attention to the guy on the other side of the tennis court. Stop thinking about yourself, he was told, and remember that the guy on the other side of the court has weaknesses. Instead of you succeeding, Gilbert said, make him fail. Better yet, let him fail. A few months after this conversation, Andre Agassi entered the U.S. Open unseated. He wasn't even expected to crack the top 16. But Agassi kept his new coach's advice in mind, finding his opponent's weaknesses and exploiting these in every match. Ultimately, Agassi would reach the finals. But this time, instead of crumbling under the pressure and focusing too much on a flair for the dramatic, Agassi stayed focused and simply kept the ball in play. He could hear Gilbert's voice in his head, Go for the forehand! When in doubt, forehand, forehand, forehand. When it was all over, Agassi fell to his knees with tears in his eyes. He was the first unseated player to take home a U.S. Open trophy in 28 years. Agassi had made history. Behavioral change. For Andre Agassi, all it took was a 15-minute conversation with the right man. The difference between success and failure is often so much simpler than we might think. These past two parashiyot, we've read all about the different types of korbanot Bnei Yisrael were commanded to bring. And every year, if you're like me, you struggle to find ways to make these korbanot relevant to our lives today. Believe it or not, here's a quote from Yirmiyahu in this week's Haftarah. He says, For when I freed your fathers from the land of Egypt, says God, I did not speak with them or command them concerning burnt offerings or sacrifice. And then he says, This is what I want from them. Listen to my voice. And you'll go in all the ways that I command for you. So yes, Yirmiyahu is using some hyperbole here. Of course, we were commanded to bring korbanot in the desert. Otherwise, 
what were we doing here for the last past hour, past half hour in shul or any time we're reading this, this parasha? But the key here is that these korbanot are totally meaningless and void unless they lead to behavioral change and are accompanied by morality at every level. Think about the process of bringing a korban. Picture it now in your mind's eye. Let's say you've just sinned against God. Who knows what you've done? You go spend a large sum of money on some animal. You publicly declare your wrongdoing in front of some very prominent individuals. Think of maybe a rabbi or your grandfather, who knows who. You place your hands on the head of this poor innocent animal, showing maybe that it should have or could have been you that ended up with this fate. And then you take the life of the animal right then and there. I suspect that anyone with an open heart and a true desire to change will certainly be spurred, if not shook, by this very serious ceremony. The Qurban is an ancient form of a forcing function in our lives. As members of B'nai Israel, we are not permitted to become complacent. When a negative behavior pattern emerges in our lives, we need to address it swiftly and decisively. I recently started a book called How to Change by engineer, economist, and psychologist Katie Milkman. At the epicenter of all the strategies that she gives for engineering change is this gem of psychological wisdom. She says what lies at the heart of behavioral change is not necessarily the effort we put in. Often it's nothing to do with the effort. But the narrative that we have about ourselves. And when life brings new opportunities for a narrative change, whether that be a new year, a new month, or even a new place of residence, this means the opportunity to create a new me. That habit, those behaviors, that's just not who I am anymore. This is the new version of me. From a spiritual perspective, when you're finished with that korban, you're not the same person who walked in the door to the Bet HaMikdash. You walk away with a new identity, a new narrative to build upon for the rest of your days. After Andre Agassi's meeting with Ken Gilbert, he became Andre Agassi 2.0. So while we may not have korbanot as part of our lives today, we still have countless opportunities for behavioral change. So take advantage of a change of scenery, a new week even, or even just a moving experience in prayer to spur yourself to make better choices and to recreate and redefine your identity. Be like Andre Agassi and rewrite your narrative. Thank you very much and Shabbat Tov.